This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 132, business radio powered by the Wharton School. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. Suffice it to say, being a parent is not always easy. Often it's a balancing act of comfort and discipline, but the environment parents create at home can have a lasting impact on their kids. And if that home life is a bit harsh, it can lead to antisocial behavior in children. A study of 227 pairs of identical twins published in the Journal of the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry looked at how differences in parenting even uh, even within a household, impact the personality of children. The report showed that the child who received harsher treatment and less parental warmth tended to be more aggressive and unemotional. And in the case, uh, in case anyone's wondering if this is a question of nature versus nurture, a subsequent study of parents and, and adopted children not biologically connected turned up similar results. Rebecca Waller is the lead author on this study, and she is an assistant professor of psychiatry, uh, psychology excuse me, here at the University of Pennsylvania. She's also director of the Eden Lab, which studies emotion, development, environment, and neurogenetics. Becky, nice meeting you. Thank you for coming in. You too. Thanks for having me on, Dan. And, and this is interesting to me because I am a parent of twins, not, not identical, but still uh, it, it is interesting. And I'll start there. Why the focus on identical twins? Um, yeah, that's a it's a really important question, and I, if you don't mind, I'll just take a a little step back sure. and um and just give a background on kind of the broader question, which was to try and understand how aggressive behaviors develop in kids, and particularly this subset of kids with aggression who also show what we call callous and unemotional traits, and what that refers to is kind of this style that is characterized by being low in expressive emotions, not showing empathy, not responding to other people's emotions, which leads to kind of this cold form of aggression, more kind of planned and manipulative. And that's different to kids who might be aggressive because they're very reactive Mm -hmm. and they're easily provoked. You can sort of imagine a kid who gets accidentally tripped by somebody but kind of reacts in a very emotional way. So there's these kind of two different pathways to aggression and antisocial behavior. And we were really focused on understanding this kind of colder pathway rather than this reactive pathway. And we've known for a really long time that parenting is obviously important in terms of the development of antisocial behavior and aggression, um, going back many, many decades. But one big problem with lots of the research is that you tend to look at families where uh, it's a biological parent and they're a biologically related child. And so how do you know when you find an association between parenting and, and aggression or callous unemotional traits that it's actually due to the the behavior of the parents rather than just the fact that these parents and the child share the same genes? Because it could just be that you're picking up on some shared genetic risk that increases the likelihood of somebody being aggressive or right. harsh or having these kind of callous unemotional behaviors. So... In order to really test that question um, in a really robust scientific way, you need to account for the genes. And so to get to your question, the the identical twin design is a really neat way of doing that because you know the twins are 100% genetically the same. So if there are any differences in their levels of aggression or their levels of callous unemotional traits... And you can link those differences to the different types of parenting they've received. And you know that that's arisen because of the influence of the parent's behavior rather than 
something about the genes of the child. So what was the process that you went through to, to kind of gather the information to, to start to make some of these, uh, uh, to get a better understanding on this? So uh, this is a, an ongoing study uh, uh, in Michigan, actually. It's the okay. Michigan State Twin Registry, which is a big registry of both identical and non-identical twins. And what we did was we asked parents, both moms and dads, um, and children as well, about the parenting practices in the home. So we focused on parenting practices that are, are harsh. So so things like physical discipline, um, kind of verbal aggression, yelling at the kids, mm-hmm. um, and then also um, parental warmth. So displays of affection, hugs, kisses. And again, you know, these are, we're talking about very small differences in these things. And, sure. and, it, and it's, you know, as a parent, it's sort of, hard to hear this and think well of course i of course i'm warm with my kid yeah. and we're talking about yeah. very sort of small differences and then we also asked about um, physical aggression uh, as well as the callous and emotional traits and 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 so then we then uh looked at how these differences that in terms of what each twin received uh were related to their aggression and callous and emotional traits so there is a, a direct correlation to lack of warmth from a, a parent, whether it be, I guess, whether it be the male or the female parent, mm-hmm. and the antisocial behavior that may play out in school or on the playground or, or out at the mall, wherever it may be. Right, right. And interestingly, we what we did was we showed that the lack of warmth or the low levels of warmth was specifically related to the callous and emotional traits rather than the kind of aggression in general. Right. And that kind of makes sense when we think about Again, callous and emotional traits referring to this sort of lack of empathy, lack of caring, kind of being unresponsive to other people's emotions, right. kind of cold. And so it kind of makes intuitive sense that parenting that's really focused on being warm and emotional and affectionate and affiliative is is what's driving the development of this specific kind of set of behaviors. Um, and that is really important when we think about interventions and we think about working with parents of kids who have kind of clinical levels of these of these types of behavioral problems because it gives us like a really specific thing to work with when we when we have these parents in our clinic it it is i mean i I, as i said i'm a dad of twins so i'm very well aware of the, the attention that you give your kids and obviously we're in a time now where where parents in many cases are busier than they've ever been whether it be the work requirements that they have uh the things that their kids are involved in and we obviously are in such a a huge world of you know kids playing various sports are there so i I think at times parents we we lose focus on being able just to have the time to take to to give the the comments and that and that love to their kids right right i absolutely i agree and i think um, you know, as you say, it's sort of like an exciting time to be a kid, huge advances, advances in technology and co- great stuff happening in schools. But sometimes just the basics is, is what you need. And that clo- it's really taking the time as a parent to build that foundation of affection and um, and warmth really early on and continuing that to find ways to do that, I think, as you say, is really is really critical. Now, uh, of all of the twins that 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 you studied, uh, were there any differences between between sets of male twins in comparison to sets of female twins? Uh, actually, interestingly, no. So, um, well, yes and no. So, yes, boys tend to be higher on aggression, specifically because we measured physical aggression, and that's a well kind of established finding in the right. in the field, um, and higher on callous and emotional traits. But we didn't find any differences in how the 
parenting was affecting these outcomes in boys and girls. So right. that is the parent, the different types of parenting mattered the same, whether or not the boy was a, the child was a boy or a girl, the twins were boys or girls. How much impact do you, do you hope that this will have this type of a study getting it out there in the public and having parents really, and maybe it's even taking a second or third look at, at their connection with their kids, their parenting style each and every day. Um, yeah, I, I, of course, I, I, it's really important to me that my work has that kind of an impact. I think there's two things I think about. One is, as a parent as well, myself, I, the absolutely last thing I want to do is to kind of point the finger at parents and say, hey, you're doing a bad job. This is all your fault. Because I know, as you said in your introduction, you know, if you're working full time and you're trying, you're doing your best, and and sure. and um, and I absolutely know what that feels like. I think what I what the impact that I want this to have is twofold. One, yes, I want people, I want parents to keep thinking about the how their parenting behavior is shaping the child's behavior. Uh, and one thing that's really really critical to think about as a parent, which often I think is easy to forget, is that your parenting behavior is really shaped by the kid, and you may not realize it. But your responses are being really influenced by what the child is giving you back. Yeah. Uh, and of course, if if they if it's a biological child, that's probably even more exaggerated because you have the same genes. Right. So to continue to think as a parent, just keep doing, you know, stay calm or ignore the behavior you don't like or yeah. continue to be really positive and warm in the face of a behavior that you don't like. Um, and that's a really important lesson, I think, for at any age. Um, but then in terms of clinical impact um you know probably 10 15 years ago there was actually a few studies that came out saying that kids with callous unemotional traits were really hard to treat and that they wouldn't respond well to the types of parenting interventions that we do um, in clinics and i've the last sort of 10 years of my work have really shown that that isn't true and that these kids you can change the behavior of these kids and right. so this type of study that that we're talking about today really helps to point clinicians and treatment providers to the specific targets that they can focus on when they're working with these families in the clinic. And, and I guess to a degree, this also plays onto uh, a bigger conversation about treatment and healthcare in general, because obviously some of these antisocial behaviors will end up being more significant problems as kids get older and develop. Yep. And there's an, a, a part of the healthcare issue that that obviously is a big concern today. Yeah, absolutely. And, and antisocial behavior and crime in general, obviously, are, you know, just exponentially expensive and incredibly harmful and financially costly to society. Worst case, obviously, ends in, in incarceration, and that's incredibly costly. So I'm a very much a firm believer in Early intervention and prevention is, you know, is so important. And so working with kids early on to prevent kind of more severe antisocial behavior, as you say, as the kids get older from developing and becoming really chronic, I think is really, really important. And so, yeah, get, getting getting these families in early and, and doing t uh, interventions that focus on these types of things, I think is critical. Rebecca Waller from the University of Pennsylvania joining us talking about the study that she is a part of looking at parenting uh, style impacting antisocial or social behavior uh, in children. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter, at BizRadio132, or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. I guess in looking at some of the, the backstory in this area, I guess some of the prior research ha had looked at the genetics as a potential factor in this. But we're as you lay out, we're learning more and more that the genetics 
aren't as necessarily a connection in this. It's really what those parents are doing on a day-to-day basis. Um, I don't know if I agree with that. Okay. Um, I think that there's really good evidence that there is a genetic component to this. Okay. So um, I'll just tell you about a, another study I did where we looked at uh, an adoption sample. So this is a really cool design um, because, I mean, in terms of science anyway, children were adopted in within two days of birth to an adopted family who were not biologically related to them. And what we had, we also had reports um, about the behaviors of the biological parents who then didn't raise their own child. So Mm. what we were able to do is look at how um, the biological parents' uh, traits, specifically their antisocial behaviors, were related to the adopted child's traits, even though they weren't living together. And we did find what what I call a kind of a genetic pathway or a heritable pathway between antisocial behavior of the biological parents and callous unemotional traits of the adopted kids. But the kind of good thing about that was that that pathway was only was buffered um, and was not there when adoptive parents were really warm, were observed to be really warm in the home. So that kind of speaks to this question that people love to ask, which is, is it nature or is it nurture? And I just always give this really unhelpful answer, which is, well, of course, it's both. (laughs) Right, right. Um, And so, (laughs) again, sort of being mindful of the fact that, you know, when when a child is born, and I, I noticed this so strikingly with my own daughter, I see her doing things, she's 18 months old, I see her doing things, I'm like, I've never done that. Right. Where's that coming from? That's so inherent to her. Um, and so, that of course, there are things that, that children, are, you know, temperament and characteristics that children are born with. And what we're doing as parents is we're kind of shaping that uh, in a certain direction. And so some forms of parenting maybe can exacerbate things that are kind of risky in kids, that are genetically risky in kids. And some forms of parenting are really helpful in terms of buffering and shaping those behaviors right. to be adaptive and to be, um, you know, kind of make the child more successful. But going back to the adoptive side mm-hmm. for just a second, that's yeah. an interesting component because uh, of the fact that obviously we, we know that there are uh, many kids that are adopted at various ages each and every year here in the United States. And for the ad- adoptive parent that again, doesn't have that necessarily that genetic link to that child. Right. That's another level of the understanding of, uh, of bringing that child into a new home, into a new location, and having them try and feel as comfortable as they possibly can, even if there, there were some potential negative impacts that that child may have genetically uh, bringing forth with them. Right, absolutely. And I think it's in terms of, you know, in terms of the scientific question, as you say, they're not genetically related. So, yeah. you know, the parenting of the adoptive parent is really the sort of pure environmental influence because they're not sharing any genes with that child. But as you say, for, for many adoptive families around the country, you know, that the child is coming in and they've got this set of inherited characteristics that the adoptive parents are, you know, and it's a, an amazing calling for people to do that, um, you know, are, are going to be really sensitive towards and, and, again, shape their parenting accordingly. How important is the research looking into parenting styles now these days and this being part of it? Um, I mean, I, I continue to, to believe that early intervention and working with parents is is so critical. So to me, this is like absolutely foundational research. Um, and in, it's it, in terms of the policy implications, which is not something that I work on because I'm in the psychology department, but I really think about how policy can be shaped in terms of the early years intervention and the early years programs that we have to work with parents and kids to kind of 
intervene as necessary to to shape these outcomes. So I, I, I see my work as kind of fitting into that foundational body of research that informs that. Um, and so some examples are things like the Head Start programs, where yeah, yeah. many of those Head Start programs have incorporated in them pe- really kind of gold standard parenting interventions to work with parents. Um, and in England, where I'm from, we had a similar program called the Sure Start program, which was in communities. And you had um, parenting therapists who would be in these in community settings delivering parenting interventions. And, you know, the, the in in my mind, again, as a parent, being a parent is the hardest job you will ever do sure and no one you don't get any training for it you know i've been in school for so many years and and to to do the job i'm doing now but being a parent is much harder than that no one gives you any classes on that and so somehow taking away the stigma that you should suddenly just get have a baby and then bam you know how to be a parent (laughs) is it's insane so i really really um on a very broad level want my work to contribute to this idea that we should be providing support to parents well it it is amazing thinking back you know i'm a a dad of three and uh, you know with my twins and and my older uh, daughter you look back at at those two experiences for me and and you're right that and and the other part of it I, i found interesting is that there are so many people that write books about styles of parenting and things you should do and those are obviously there are there is benefit to those, but there is an element of this that is truly OJT on the job training yeah. <laughs> of learning this day in and day out. The books are great; they have some value to them, but again, parenting is parenting, and people do it differently. Right, right. No, absolutely, people do it differently, and and there are all kinds of uh, sort of cultural differences that are important to think about as well. But I, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I think. I also, uh, you know, being an academic, read every book. My husband had to ban me from Amazon. I was buying all the parenting books. But I, <laughs> yeah. I don't. I think that there is a lot to be said for being in a class setting with other parents, having somebody listen to what's going on, telling them how you're reacting or dealing with an issue with the child, and then having them be like, yeah. have you tried this? Right. And then they model that for you, and then you practice it. And, you know, we do that in every other walk of life, be it academics or sports. You practice something before you go and do it on the on the big stage. So, um Yes, I, I, I hope my, my work is a small part of, of what contributes to improving that. I didn't ask you before, but I wanted to. In terms of the, the sets of twins that you did in the study, what age range were we looking at at the time that you were actually doing this research? So they were aged between 6 and 11, and the um, average age of the kids was about seven and a half, eight. Okay, so they um, were they had developed a, a significant amount. It wasn't yeah. the twos, threes, and fours that, that you were looking at primarily. Yes, So, but my other studies have typically been in kind of three to four year olds right um so how important then in building off of this research is follow-up and and staying connected with some of these sets of twins to understand where their path goes and maybe even how the parents develop as well over the next dozen years or so yeah absolutely critical and we are actually following up with those twins right now um and before i was at penn i was at michigan and we were bringing the twins into our lab and uh, doing brain scans with them as well. So we were looking at how some of these differences in behavior might be manifested in the brain, which is um, going to be a really cool follow-up, I think, to to this research. A- any any early indications about some of the, the, the things that you're finding out from that part of it as well? Um, no, because the data is still being collected. Yeah. I wish I could give you <laughs> I wish yeah. I could give you the scoop, but I haven't yeah. got anything yet. No, but, but and, and again, we're in a time right now where we see more and more angst and volatility in our society in general and and to be able to try and mitigate some of that at at the younger years is an incredibly important piece to develop and not only for the kids to develop but also for the parents 
to yeah. develop as parents as well. Absolutely. And I think, again, being as as we've talked about, being a parent is really hard. And there are some developmental transitions with kids that are really hard to manage. So um, I don't know about with your twins, but my daughter is entering the phase of the terrible twos. And it's a really, it's like so obvious that something's happening. And, uh, you know, that's a really challenging time for parents. And so what happens there might be really kind of informative for what goes on later. And so having the foundation during that time is really, is really important. My own just personal experience, terrible twos, not even close to what threes and fours are. Oh, really? Oh, so no. So <laughs> you're, you're getting ready to have the fun time oh, in, the, gosh. in the next couple of years. But that, again, that's part of that learning process as parents because right. that is that that is the, the narrative that has been in parenting for the long time of the terrible twos. And, and I found out, and I've had friends that have told me, that actually threes and fours are, are more challenging because right. then the mind really starts to kick in and they start to do things. Right. And so, again, this is all part of... Uh, of children's development, which is an important area of study right now. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And again, um, you know, moving forward with my work, I'm really interested in kind of looking at some of the really specific things that are happening in the parent-child interaction really and really narrow things that we can then maybe chart to things that are going on in the brain as well as the um, kind of the genetic things, that the genetic risk factors that lead to that. Um, did you find out from either from this set of parents or maybe historically from other research how parenting to a degree has changed, let's say in the last 20 years or so, especially in the digital age with all of this technology that's kind of you know, kind of come in compared to back in the 60s, 70s and 80s. Parenting in general Mm -hmm. has probably changed a little bit. We may have a little more angst in our life now as parents than we did 20, 30 years ago. Yeah, I I don't know if we have more angst, but you're right that there are different things going on. So one thing we are looking at in um, another study that I'm part of is with what we are calling withdrawal, which is we, we bring our kids and our parents into the lab and we see we leave them alone and we see immediately they both bring out their smartphone and they're faced <laughs> yeah. away from each other. And, you know, again, smartphone technology is amazing in so many ways, but it really is could potentially be taking away from what could be important interactions between the, the parent and the child. And so I, I certainly think that's something to, to be thinking about. And as you say, absolutely, it's critical to, as a parent to think about how stuff going on in your own life, whether that's work or other pressures that you have is influencing your parenting behavior. And we know yeah. that that happens. So, um, it, you know, you can link parenting stress to differences in p- parenting behavior, which impact the child. Right. And, and obviously the challenge for many parents of being able to turn off the struggles or the angst that you may have at the workplace. Yeah. Once you walk in that door and, and try and change your mindset so that you are focused strictly on your kids and yep. their well-being and the things that that are important to bring them up as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And again, I'm sorry to kind of bang the same drum, but I really feel like these parent support groups can be really good for that because that's something that you can sh- you have that kind of network of social support as well. So it yeah. can be somewhere where you can share that. And then being a parent can be really isolating as well. Um, and particularly, I think for some first-time moms, it can be really hard. You're suddenly, you know, alone with a kid, um, and you don't have that kind of network that you may have had before. So I really, yeah. um, am, I think that that kind of thing is is crucially important. Great meeting you. Thank you very much. Good luck with uh, the rest Thank of the you. research. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Rebecca Waller from here at the University of Pennsylvania. I was also a director of the Eden Lab here at the school as well. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.